there was a study done. Uh, no offense, but it was called 100 Monkeys. <laughs> and basically, they had done a study on uh, on monkeys in the community. And as soon as 100 Monkeys had kind of the same knowledge, it proliferated throughout the community and not by communication necessarily, which is kind of cool. So if you go and look it up, you'll find all the ins and outs of it. And the same thing happens in our society, that really, if 100 people have um, an understanding of something, right or wrong, true or false, or otherwise, it proliferates. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm Jared Morgan. This week, we are joined by Michelle Nedelik, right? Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. You did. I've been calling you Michelle the whole time, uh, dreading pronouncing it correctly. I hate butchering somebody's last name, so I always like, even though I know it, I'm like, ah. Most people just go my Michelle and then they avoid the whole last name thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're one minute in and we've got a sweet, or excuse me, like a Guns N' Roses reference. Not doing bad. All right, so Michelle, we're going to talk all sorts of fun stuff today. But if you go over to Grill Cam, you'll see uh, we are doing, we're back to skewers. This is one of my favorite things to do on the show because if we time it right, I might actually get to eat some before the show's over. So we've got some black garlic steak skewers with some peppers on it and some red onions in there and then we did some orange garlic chicken uh with some jalapenos which ensures that i'll probably be the only one eating the chicken because none of my family likes <coughs> excuse me um none of my well, family now likes... none of them are gonna eat any of it <laughs> yeah really no i don't know if you can see that on the camera i did that was that was uh, in the other direction covered my <laughs> mouth very fda approved uh <laughs> Dang, man. And that, my friends, is how you keep all the food to yourself. That's it. <laughs> Sneeze on it. Um, oh, God. Look, at I'm so dropping them everywhere. question for you. What is black garlic? So uh, black garlic is what was in the container that I bought. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I genuinely don't know. All righty, then. It's, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to guess that it's like uh, kind of a roasted garlic. No. Oh, okay. Um, I was thinking it was like a variety of garlic, and I'm going, well, that's cool. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on it. I really don't know, to be honest. Uh, So we're going to put that away. I had much fancier trays, and if you heard our producer Alex talking last time, they broke on the show last time. The wind caught them and broke them midstream. So what are you going to do, right? So I'm back to using cookie sheets until I get some new trays. Uh, Well, how are you doing, Michelle? I'm doing awesome, thanks. I'm doing better now that I'm down south. I down think. south. Awesome. Uh, I love. I love. This is. I've had a lot of Canadians on the show lately, and I love. Uh, I love my friends up north, and I. I always. I'm always trying to get a recommendation on how to make the best poutine. 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 <laughs> what part of What part of Canada are you in? I'm in the west side, but I know the difference between one of those words and the other one. <laughs> So I don't, <laughs> as we're learning. And as I told last time, I went up there and ordered it in a bar and I, people in Toronto. And people were like, you don't order p- poutine in a Toronto yeah. bar. So <laughs> That either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, one is, one is a French word for a lady of the evening. Let's put it that way. And the other one is French fries with gravy and, uh, and squeaky cheese and or mozzarella, whichever a one you have. snack of the evening. Um, that's so wait which one is which poutine is that what's that one is what you want poutine is not appropriate not appropriate all right well apologies to my friends in canada that are offended (laughs) this is we're off to a roaring start okay michelle so 
you're a lot of things. You are uh, an expert on automation. You are, uh, you know, an advisor on people that talk about ladies of the night. You are a lot of things. <laughs> I am um, a lot of things. You are a lot and of I things. do have a stiletto fetish. I will a say stiletto. so. You know, not inappropriate conversation. Oh, what? <laughs> oh yeah, love my stilettos. What does that mean? You stiletto fetish. Um, so, you know, the six inch heels, I'm a, women I wear? know what a stiletto is, okay. and I'm aware so of what a right fetish page. is, and I'm trying to figure out why you brought that up. Like, <laughs> uh, well, it's just, I, I like, I like buying them and okay. I like wearing them and, okay. um, any occasion to wear one. You have a pair on now. I, I don't, but okay. I'm at home in my house. So that's fairly, no. that's fairly acceptable. Sorry. Hate to disappoint. I, well. <laughs> Stilettos and barbecue. You know what they say. I'm actually wearing a pair now, so I'm this tall. We're smoking. Yeah, I'm I'm smoking a pair of stilettos. So you, uh, I, I, I want to get to automation because I'm super. I don't even know how they. How do you segue from stilettos and ladies of the night to to automation? But tell, tell, all comes down to customer service. So we got to talk automation. Yes, we do. That's what the customer wants. So. Tell us a little bit about your background. Who are you? Awesome. So uh, as you said, I'm Michelle Nedelec. I'm the co-founder of Awareness Strategies. I found that business with my partner in business and pleasure, as we like to say, uh, Brad Mooney, who is kind of a tech genius. And once upon a time in 2003, I was a speaker and taught personal development seminars, teaching people how your mind works in order to create success. And in about 2015 or so, uh, everybody wanted us to go online. It's like, this is great, but can I have some video courses to watch my own time? So we realized that the way we were marketing it just didn't parlay into the online world. So we had to pivot to some degree. It was either how to speak from stage or how to run a business, kind of the how-to of like, what are the results going to be? Sells much better online, whereas in person, you can have generalizations of you know, will help you succeed in life. So as we were doing this, we were studying the online differences. I discovered that there's a lot of people out there that are really good at what they do, but they suck at the t- at the tech. <laughs> tech is just not their game, which I totally get. It's not my game either. Even though I do have a lot of tech background, I much prefer to just hand it over to somebody else and say, hey, go do this for me. So that's what we decided to do. We decided to pivot into a... Um, digital marketing company focusing on the technology side of business and helping you to get all your marketing online so that you do what you do and somebody in the background is setting up all the tech kind of like you have right now yeah i have a somebody in the background barking right now too i appreciate you just <laughs> monologuing just all the way through that. so my dog <laughs> who anytime the grill fires up wants to join me down here but then she does these like lazy low-key barks you know like not a full bark where she has to actually put effort into it it's just kind of like like, (laughs) (laughs) you know and i'm like shut up like i'm trying to to see the puppy here yeah here you want to get on come here so if you're watching on facebook uh, on youtube there she is so this is hi baby i think this is your first appearance on the podcast can you say hi oh so she is a certified mutt uh she's like a casserole of 20 breeds but mostly <laughs> Chihuahua and Yorkie, I'm told, which she looks like Master Splinter. But uh, so we call her the Porky Chorky or Chihuahua and Yorkie. Uh, and clearly, she knows the smell of a barbecue. Clearly, she's like, I, I smell black garlic. <laughs> so, 
So you're trying to help people, you know, up their game for internet marketing, which is, you know, so I have, obviously I built a whole business online, mm-hmm. but there is, there are parts of that world that are hard to figure out. And I'm, I'm, I have some new businesses that I've backed that I'm helping get started now. And we're like doing new, you know, online lead generation and things like that. And like, I mean, even you can live and work online and still not fully understand all the things that it takes to generate leads and generate interest and not just be, you know, noise in the scroll of social media and things like that. And so it's hard. It's a lot harder than people think. Right. Well, and it is primarily because it's a different media for starters. Right. When I go in and into your if I was in your backyard right now, I'd be able to smell the food. I'd be able to, you know, hear the birds and the dogs and feel the grass under my feet. Yeah. All of those sensory perceptions gives me an ex- an um, an environment in which to have an experience. Whereas online, if I wanted to sell the skewers online, clearly I have to approach it from a completely different perspective because they can't taste it, they can't feel it, they can't have that cultural experience of being there waterside, having a Barbie, which is awesome. But I can articulate it in such a way that it might have some more kind of flavor and the verbiage to it. And as you well know, having three cams on and the, and showing the actual barbecuing of this and showing a little bit of the environment and the smoke comes out right on cue, perfect, is... <laughs> yeah, I was, I was about to say, well, I had to check on my stuff while we're talking about that. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Get a look at that. The people have a, a memory come back to them because we know what it's like being next to a barbecue when the smoke happens and we know what that smell smells like for us. And because we're having a friendly conversation, we're going to remember the time when it smelled great. Uh, if we were having a nasty conversation, we're going to smell it when it was a na- bad time and probably the food is burning or something like that. So it's it's being able to tap into people's memories in a way that allows you to be able to um, bring them into your experience online. That's a really thoughtful way to put that because I don't think people, I think people like, okay, we got to make an online ad. So, you know, say something about our product and, you know, I just, <laughs> right? I don't think people think, think through what you just said, which is like, think about, put yourself in the, put yourself in the position of the person that is there scrolling, right? How do I catch their attention? How do I like first catch their attention? And then second, like get them to pay attention and engage. And it's, it's an art. Like it's a very, it's very different. Whereas in, you know, if you're if you're creating billboards, it's just a different, you know, you might be you might be repetition might be your game, right? You're seeing it, seeing it, and seeing it, and seeing it, and seeing it, right? But we've all seen billboards that are done badly because you drive past them at 60 miles an hour and you can't read it. And you're like, what what are they advertising? Like, what was the point of that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Could tell it was poutine or poutine. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. And that's the difference that good marketing will make is that you don't have to guess what it and it may have subliminal things in the background that make you think, but it makes you think on yeah. purpose, not by accident. So, oh, I'm sorry to cut you off, but like I've been dying to ask this question. What's the hot platform right now? Like, you know, it was Facebook for a long time. Is it still Facebook or is as the has the game? 
moved all the way to TikTok, or what, what do you what do you think if somebody's coming in? It totally depends on who your audience is. So if your audience is senior citizens and you're selling to a uh, senior lifestyle, don't do it on TikTok. Okay, <laughs> probably not going to get your audience. Um, but not to say that if your audience is business that you're not going to find them on TikTok. So it totally depends on. It's kind of like the magazines of Once Upon a Time, right? It's where is your audience? What are they looking at? And how do you get a hold of them? Facebook was fantastic when it first came out because it was the only social media. <laughs> it was like there yeah. was it in, you know, MySpace and some other stuff that wasn't really fun to go to and watch. Facebook was the only one that enthralled you because you could sit and and just scroll through somebody's history, you know, for half an hour, five hours, <laughs> stalk somebody and and never lose interest in it. The difference today is that there are so many platforms that we can go to. So we can go to Facebook for entertainment sake. We can go to LinkedIn for business sake. We can go to TikTok for anything. Um, we can go to YouTube for how to's on how to do things. So we're, we're now kind of uh, diversified and we're starting to find our, our clicks and our groups. And, you know, it if you want to get a hold of techies, none of those platforms are going to be the one you want. You want something like Reddit or you know, right. somewhere where the techies are hanging out. Or if you want engineers or if you want doctors and lawyers. Like, it, you have to know who your audience is. And if you're just starting out, pick one where you know that the possibility of them hanging out is the highest and stick to that. And if it's, you know, if they're over 80, you know, stick to mail delivery and stick to the things that they're actually still they're still actually watching tv <laughs> they're like the actual channels sure um right and it's it's being able to know your audience it really is facebook really changed the game if if i'm sort of zooming out and thinking about it like you know, i'm dating myself a little bit but like i remember you know late 90s internet which mm -hmm. you know advertising on the internet was essentially banner ads right which was just online billboards right i mean it was yeah i don't even know if banner ads were out in the 80s it was <laughs> you had a status page that somebody dialed up oh sorry 90s um somebody dialed up um like it was it was so you were lucky to have a website at that point right and the fact that somebody could find that that i mean the 90s was when flowers.com alcohol.com wine.com like <laughs> we were pretty basic in our searches it was like banner ads and in the late 90s, like the idea that you might stumble across something on the internet completely different than what, like I'm on the internet to check sports scores and they go, oh, Purell shampoo, sure, and click, you know, like that was maybe. <laughs> exactly. So Google really changed the game when they, when they created yep. AdWords because it was like the first time that somebody was really using data to really dial in the ad experience and then Facebook took it to a completely different level, almost to a level... You know, someone, it's like the, the carousel of progress, like at Disney World, right? At some yeah. point, somebody takes it a little too far. And it feels like there's a lot of people that feel like Facebook took it a little too far. And the fact that I, everything that I'm doing off the platform and on the platform was, you know, raked into this profile of me. And mm -hmm. yeah, okay, do I really care if it's figuring out what surfboards I like? Eh, I guess I don't really care. But when they're using it to overthrow governments or they're using that kind of stuff to sort of align and whatever. It gets a little bit of a different, it's a little bit of a different animal. Well, the issue is, is because people noticed and complained, they changed the upfront algorithm. But if you think they're changed the way they're taking data, then you're a little naive. 
<laughs> and keep in mind, right, you and I put out ads and we'll put them out for $5 a day, which is great. There are companies that spend like $20 million a month in in Facebook ads and Google ads. Yeah. And the reason why they do that, why do they do that? Because it works. There's an R- there's an ROI, right? That's why they would right? do it for no reason. So I think um, while I while I think I don't know I don't I really know what the future of that looks like. I think um, algorithms are scary because I I, I found myself uh, <laughs> gravitate. Yeah, this is like this. So this is a fun one, and I you, you may be able to appreciate this. So I just saw on um, YouTube there's a artificial intelligence assembled interview between Joe Rogan and uh, Prime Minister Trudeau. Oh, God. None of it's real. None of it ever happened. Well, I shouldn't say none of it. The, the information happened at some point, but they have strung this all together to sound and look like an interview. And it looks and sounds like Joe Rogan is interviewing Trudeau. And it's hilarious. Now, they openly say that it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not real. This did not take place. This is all set up by artificial intelligence. But the scary part is they could just take all of the videos that we've ever done and string it together and make an interview with us and say, oh, yeah, you were there. I know because we saw the video. It's like, yeah, was that me? Yes, but I wasn't. Have I ever done an interview? With yes, I did. But yeah, but I didn't say that in that interview. Well, kind of shows that you did. <laughs> You know, the sad part about it is it doesn't have to be, it only has to convince a certain number of people for it to be effective. You know, those kinds of things. Like, I mean, I, I, right. And unfortunately that number is really small and they make a big impact, right? There was a study done, uh, no offense, but it was called a hundred monkeys. <laughs> and basically they had done a study on, uh, on monkeys in the community. And as soon as a hundred monkeys had kind of the same knowledge, yeah, proliferated throughout the community and not by communication necessarily, which is kind of cool. So if you go and look it up, you'll find all the ins and outs of it. And the same thing happens in our society, that really if 100 people have um, an understanding of something, right or wrong, true or false, or otherwise, it proliferates. Yeah. And that's where um, information becomes fun and <laughs> terrifying and... I don't know. It's fun. It's funny uh, until you realize that the whole thing, I don't know. It's, it's so, it was, I read a joke one time that said like the same, you know, folks, our parents, the baby boomers that told us to look out for strangers and all this stuff in the nineties are the ones that are like filling out all these surveys, like what type of bread are you? Right. And they're just getting all their data farmed into <laughs> like whatever. It's like, right. I, which, which friend's character are you destined to be married to? You know, click, I'm on it. And then they share, yeah. share. And the worst part is if you watch like uh, the social dilemma and all those movies, the worst part was finding out that not only was, were they, you know, my, my aunt or somebody who's clicking the, what cheese are you, you know, thing, but, through a loophole that was also getting my information. So I didn't even do anything. And people that are connected to me were, were creating a situation where my information was getting sucked into, you know, whatever, which if you looked at my profile online, I'm probably, it's probably like likes barbecue, uh, you know, Braves <laughs> baseball <laughs> searches for a lot of pants, you know, like, okay, I'm not very interesting, but. Well, one of the terrifying things I found is what, at some point in history, there was, you know, answer the five questions. 
What street did you grow up? What was your first pet's name? What were your best friend's name in elementary school? And I'm like, I am not giving you any of this information because this is the information that I give to somebody to verify that I am who I say mm-hmm. I am when I've mm-hmm. been, you know, <laughs> when when I'm... So, I, no, I'm not using those questions to answer. So I would put in BS kind of answers to them, but I'd have to remember then what the answer was. You had to remember what the BS was, yeah. So <laughs> it's there's a, there's an art to that. So the the business uh, that, I, that I was in, ProctorU, online testing mm-hmm. business, and, and I used to – I'm going to go on a rant here, but just go with me for a second. So I used to get so angry at organizations that would um, – angry is not the right word, frustrated um, – at – they just wouldn't understand the subtle differences that make a big impact to proving identity online. And I, I would say there is a massive business opportunity still sitting out there. People have not truly figured out identity online. If you think they have, they definitely have not, right? And I'll give you an example. So we used to use challenge questions. So before you would take a test, um, similarly to when you would apply for credit or whatever, you would see a couple of questions pop up and it would say like, which of these streets did you used to live on? And which is, and all this information is just out there and you can, there's companies that, you know, you can just use and they, and they can pull up questions about all sorts of different people in the database. Now that's odd, right? You think about, but, but it's out there. It's just something people should think about. But what used to aggravate me was we had companies that would compete with us and they would, allow you to create your own questions the way you're so what was your maiden name you know what was your mom's maiden name what, what was your fa- your first pet's name and you would answer those things the problem would be that there are certain types of situations where you can't have the person you're trying to identify be in cahoots and how that's going to be done because you know you michelle would help the bank protect this your bank account but you, Michelle, also have the motivation to maybe sneak somebody in to take your certification exam, right? And so I couldn't have it in a way that you could give that question to somebody else. And I used to get so frustrated with organizations that didn't understand that the way you identify somebody to protect a bank account is different than the way you should do voter ID, which is different than the way you should do, you know, a test, which is different than, I mean, all these things are really different. And identity, the fact that you can operate on the internet somewhat anonymously is is a big part of the problem with cybercrime and, and all the things that are going on, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I'm going to curtail the conversation back to business automation, what small business owners need to do for their business, but not before I let you know about Bryant Toe. So I interviewed Bryant Toe on um, my podcast, and he talked about IT and cybersecurity in business. And it was fascinating, terrifying, and so many other things. Um, so if you run a, um, a business, basically his comment was, if you don't have cyber insurance, which I didn't think was a thing until that interview, um, apparently you have to have it. And going back to your, uh, knowing your security online and kind of how much information you have put out there and you don't know where it is. So um, making sure that you have that in place and and taking care of it is going to be paramount in the future. It's going to be as paramount as you know, slip and ice insurance on on businesses or whatever. Much bigger deal in Cal- in in, Can- uh, in Canada. Canada. <laughs> Canada. Much bigger deal exactly. in Canada. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. But what I'm going to talk to you about is when somebody's setting up their own business and they're worried about their their marketing and being able to get out there and and looking at the platforms, it's not so much that we have to get carried away out with what's the new and exciting thing. 
sometimes in business, that automation is the boring things in business. It's when you collect somebody's, uh, you know, when somebody signs up for your opt-in and they go, yeah, I want to get, you know, the recipe that you had for those skewers on the other day. When they opt into that, what do you do with that data? Where do you put that data? And do you have what's called the CRM? So it's a, your client relationship management software. And a lot of people still don't have that as a thing. They may have it on a spreadsheet. They may have it uh, sitting on their WordPress, which is not good, not good at all. Yeah. Um, they may have it in their shopping cart, which is fine, but it doesn't make it theirs. And they don't realize the ramifications of their decisions when it comes to the software that they're using in their business. Because one, you're responsible for that data. So putting it on a spreadsheet on a Google Drive is not a good idea. No. That, that makes you very liable for a lot of things. Not good, not good, not good. Um, and if you have it in your shopping cart, basically the shopping cart software owns that data. You don't. So until you have it in your secure CRM, you don't own that data, which means that you don't have the goodwill of your company. You could have 100,000 people that have come in and asked for that recipe, which you think is, hey, as soon as we you know, up this and we have the next product or service that we can offer our people for it and start delivering you know, meat or um, spices or you know, black garlic, <laughs> we're going to deliver it and we're going to sell it to them because nobody can find it. And you're going, this is going to be awesome because my markup on that is a dollar. I make a dollar off of every one of those. That's a great business plan. But if you don't own that data and the shopping cart goes, no, that's ours and you can't have it, they have every right to do that and you have zero right over that and you can't reconnect with those people. So from a business perspective, it becomes paramount that you, one, have a CRM, two, that you're putting all of your data into it from all of your other software programs. And it's not just which one's easiest to use, it's which one keeps you in control of your data and keeps that data secure. So there's um, it's just a different level of understanding from a business perspective that when you when you are collecting people's data, you are responsible for it. Uh, I'm gonna check the uh, check the kebe the kebabs here. Um, oh, okay. Don't mind if I do. So the I was so surprised when I started email marketing uh, years ago mm -hmm. for the first time. Look at that baby. Uh, get you some of that. So I'm so surprised at how quickly you can get banned <laughs> in from like, you know, like, and that sounds like I was marketing, you know, pills and that's not no. what I was doing, but it, we were, you know, we were, this was back when I was working for a, a online university and we were doing email marketing campaigns, people that had reached out and we're just following back up and yep. doing different things. And we had to be really careful because if a certain, regardless of what your message was about and regardless of whether they had opted in or subscribed or whatever, mm -hmm. if enough people click that little button that says spam, mm -hmm. they get blacklisted and they get, or they get reviewed or, or, you know, regarded as spam by Gmail and everything else. And that is like, kryptonite to a business that is that is a big hit to a business that's why when you click your spam folder sometimes and you say well that's not spam why does that end up in there that's because other people were clicking the spam button so if you ever want to like bomb a business right spam 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 enough people click that it creates a real problem for that business yeah and it, and it is a huge problem because if somebody's phishing your address right so companies can go and send out email based on your um domain and and send sell something that's complete crap so they go on there 
and they're selling, I don't know, whatever nasty stuff they're selling. And you're going like, what is this? This is totally spam. But you don't look at the from address and go, oh, this is Jared's stuff. Jared would never send me this. All people think is this is crap. I don't want it. This is spam. They hit the spam button. That still gets counted against your URL, which sucks. Oh, wow. Now, I have a real rant on that one for Google because I think Google knows exactly who's doing that and when they're doing it and how they're doing it. They say they can't see it. I don't believe it. Um, but if they get enough people going back to Google and saying, hey, this is phishing, but they don't have a button that says this is phishing. They say you can report this, you can ban this, <laughs> or you can right. accept that. Right. And it's like, well, I don't want to do any of those things. I want to report it as phishing. Um, so it's, yeah, my my dismay with the whole back end of the tech thing, it becomes really complicated really quickly. And people just don't realize that. So when you get bombarded with spam, just reply back and say, hey, <laughs> I don't want this. Or is this really your email? And if it's just phishing, then they'll go, oh, hey, we'll deal with this. And then we can deal with it in a, in a different way. If it really is spam and it's coming from you know, 123.com, it wouldn't be that easy, but 587.com, then um, yeah, you can report and block all those guys because that's not a real domain. Yeah, I, I think the general public could benefit from some fishing training courses. <laughs> like I used to, so measure learning, uh, which is what Proctor you became. Like we, once we got really, really big and private equity backed, like we had a very robust process where everybody was required to take these training courses. And, and it, this would drive me nuts because our own interior IT department would be sending out phishing messages, trying to trick employees um, to see which ones were vulnerable and which ones were still. And so it would, it was, and, and you know, they would be like, you know, Damn, watch out. You'd be like, I knew, I knew it was you down the hall, like saying that, you know, but it's, it's, um, it's uh, short of doing uh, that. And that's elaborate. Right. Mm -hmm. And so short of doing those elaborate things, it's hard to train, especially somebody who's doesn't like, they don't live in the online world. Like somebody that, that owns a diner, right. you know, and they go home and check their email or whatever. And there's something, it's like, Hey, your Amazon packages, your Amazon packages <laughs> delayed. Oh, what's that click. click, you know? And now they're down the, down the Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole, right? Yep. They're, they're all, they're all drugged out. <laughs> so some of the important things to do to kind of keep your data clean. One is to have a CRM that helps immensely to use a reputable, um, email dis distribution. And a lot of them are, if it's out of your nephew's basement, well, <laughs> you might want to question that. You may have a lot more problems yeah. with that than you think you're going to have, even though it's cheap up, up front. Um, some other thing is your website itself is making sure that the back end of that is clean and up to date. And a lot of people that I've seen they're super smart. They they're techies or they've been techies, but it's just, it's time consuming. It's so time consuming. Yes. Um, but knowing what your SEO is performing like and having kind of your SSL statements and your DMARC set up and your, all the acronyms that go along with it. I know it's not fun, but. There's a whole bunch of people whose eyes just glazed over when you said that. They're like, that's too many, too many letters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you want to have ways of being able to check that. Um, at the end, we'll give your audience a, a gift to 
We got a $500 gift for your audience when they stick around. Hey, whoa. Uh, be able to take care of all those silly acronyms for them. I can't tell you how many businesses I have worked with or advised or whatever, and you start asking them about what they're doing online, and they're just like, oh, man, my dad knows this guy, and uh, he set our website up for us, and uh, I don't know how it's got, it's got three of them W's on it. And, uh, and they just, they, they like, they've given their complete online identity to some guy or some gal that they know. And there's like this Wizard of Oz factor where they go behind the curtain and, right. and they come back. And the person, the business owner doesn't want to pay much money. So, man, I got it for 500 bucks. And then they're just getting what they paid for, which is just a disengaged person that sort of slaps something up. And that's kind of like, in today's world, if if an internet presence is even remotely important to your business, hire a professional. Mm-hmm. Like if if internet marketing is even remotely hire a perfect bring a pro in. Like don't your business will thank you when you generate more money, when you look better, you look more professional, you bring in your customers. Sometimes sometimes you won't even know that it's working. Right. But it is working. Right. So it's like it's like having the sign out front, you know, cleaning it off and making it look nice of your business. Like it's hard to say whether sometimes whether that makes an impression and whether that matters. But it does matter. And you so so you start to see more people walk in like those things add up. And so you just get a pro and do things right. If you see that there's people coming in and you're busy, it usually means it's good. And when all of a sudden the the traffic stops, uh, something's bad. And a lot of people don't realize, too, is that they really need to own their assets. So you need to own your website. You need to own your own domain. Yes. You need to own yes. everything. So when, you know, Frank the Barber is going, hey, I can set you up on my domain. And it's like, mm, that's probably not a good idea because if Frank goes bankrupt, he's taking your website with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't even have to be that bad. It's just if he changes his domain or not his domain, but his hosting service. Who knows what just happened to yours? So I'll give you an example. I have um, a good friend of mine uh, from childhood. She's awesome and amazing. She's one of the top dog groomers in the world. Whoa. And she had a her domain, and she'd given it to somebody, Sparky, and Sparky decided to shut down his server, and poof goes her, her website and her domain. She wasn't checking on it. And now that domain is owned by a company that does oh, no. uh, ski hills. They go down and they <laughs> clean off the ski hills. And it's like, wow, that is so wrong in so many ways. Yeah, that's, that's like a worst case scenario, yeah. right? And I bet, and there's probably a lot of people that don't even know what you mean when you say own. What do you You're mean right? I own domain? my own like, domain? Well, I, I, paid, I, paid, I paid Floyd over there. He's, that means I own it. Yeah, well, so can you tell people that are listening that don't know, where can they go to actually find out whether they own their domain or not? Absolutely. So if you go to, I think it's Who's Is It? Um, it's who Is, who right? Who Is, who is. H- that's it. W-H-O-I-S. And there's like, so just Google that one word, W-H-O-I-S. And there's like 50 different websites where you can do a Who Is lookup. And that will tell you who owns a domain. So you punch that domain in there and hit, and you got to kind of wade through. It's like, blah, 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 blah. it says all these like, <laughs> you know, address things, but you'll get down to it and it'll either say your name or your other person's name, or it'll say something like domains by proxy, which means it's a hidden, uh, re- you know, thing, which is like, that's not, it could, it could mean it, it belongs to you, but maybe not. Yeah. So I would follow, if you see that, I would follow up with your person that did it for you and say like, who, Hey, who owns this? And domain? if you see Bob's music shop, you got worries. 
it's not good. And, and, and also like even me, right. Who I've had other little side projects and things I've done. Like I have screwed up and not renewed a domain before and got into the grace period and renewed it or whatever. So it's like easy to do if you're not paying attention to it. So you really need to understand what these things are. How long did they purchase that domain for domains are cheap, but you know, it's what is it? 10 bucks a year, depending on where you buy it or whatever. It's just not that expensive, but if you let it expire and then it goes all the way away from you, like, Oh my, it's a nightmare to get it back. It's a nightmare. Exactly. So we recommend to our clients that they do simple things like uh, a month before renewal, put it in your calendar, whether it's a Google calendar, you're still on paper, (laughs) just flip up a year, (laughs) go back a month and go, Hey, check, check my domain. And, and and where you have it registered. So where you have your domain registered, where you're hosting it, um, write those two words down. Ask somebody <laughs> other than who you're paying <laughs> what that means and who you, what you should be asking. Because oftentimes the people that you're paying will give you their stark answer um, and they won't necessarily explain it in English. Whereas if you go to somebody like Jared and he has zero vested interest in where you have your website hosted, he's just going to give you a plain answer and and hopefully it's in English, um, because you really should be able to understand. Well, just I mean, in English, as in not in tech talk. Sure. Yeah. That you can understand what the heck somebody's saying, right? If it's garble and you don't understand it, go ask somebody else, because you have a right to know it's your asset. It feels like we're dancing around the topic of automation, but I do want to ask you like an on the nose, like automation question. So if there is a on the nose, if there is a thing that most business or if somebody let me back up if 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 you're talking to just the average business that you work with mm-hmm. what is like the the number one thing like the first thing that you point to where you go man you should automate this why are you doing this manually why are this slowing your business down so my my first answer is not necessarily the the first thing but it's the biggest thing is people will have what i lovingly refer to as frankenware and basically that's, they have a whole bunch of pieces of software doing a whole bunch of different stuff that doesn't talk to each other. So they end up doing manual data transfers. It, it can be as simple as we have our website and we have our products and somebody has to go in and move the data from our shopping cart into our um, accounting software into our CRM. If somebody gets paid to do that, you are losing money up the wazoo. I can oh, guarantee yeah. you can almost double your revenue by blocking that leak alone Um, because one it's a waste of their time two they're probably having data entry issues um, because we're people we're fallible we make mistakes whereas you can have computer systems that actually talk to each other so you don't have to do those processes manually and that will improve your uh, client communication a thousand percent That one's right off the bat. So that one should be not only automated, the transfer of data between software focuses, it should be integrated. And the difference is uh, we like to, you know, (laughs) you guys may have the the Christmas lights or you have a plug-in and it has two outlets in it, right? Sure. And then you get those funky little things that have like, oh, you can plug in six things. And then some people go and buy two more so that they can have like 12 plugins there and they have 12 plugins (laughs) switch hands. Like, you are exponentially increasing your potential for fire every time you do that. And the same thing kind of happens with software. The more patches and plugs you put on things, the more chance you have of your data being corrupted and, and incorrect. So you end up with dirty data, which I love to say. 
and uh, you don't want that dirty data. Unwashed, dirty data. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. I mean, and, and what you can't scale a business that you have to do that much manual stuff for. And, and I've been, like I said, I've been going through the process of helping some new businesses set up lately. And those are big decisions. Picking picking a system that you could pick. Are you going to go Salesforce? Are we going to go, you know, whatever, whatever platform that we pick? And, you know, to your point, you better, whatever platform you pick, you better kind of think of all the different platforms that you need. Try to pick something that does a lot of things all at once, but make sure everything plays well together. And if things don't integrate, man, like, yeah, it's just, you. listen to Michelle, like, <laughs> You're going to stumble as you try to grow. The moment you like, you finally figure your market out and your business starts to double, that's going to be a friction point. We're going to be like, oh my God, I can't like, you know, you had to figure it out. And, and it really does. It comes down to having a conversation with you initially of what's your end game here? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to create? Because somebody can have a super simple business where they just want to coach people. Or they just want to be a consultant and they're going to take on 10 clients at 10 grand a year. Really, you need a cell phone and a merchant account for that. That's easy peasy. You're done. Please don't buy any more. <laughs> Anything else to complicate that issue. Uh, buy a good business coach because that's really all you need at that point. Yeah. And then people get these ideas. Oh, I want to do a course and I want to put it online and I want to sell it for 500 bucks, but I want to include it as part of my $10,000 program and I want to give away module one to people and I want to give it away to my friends. Well, that is a tech kind of nightmare where you've added levels of complexity into your business that need tech solutions. It is not all software is created equal when it comes to things like that. So even though you're thinking, oh, I just want a landing page. I just want people to be able to opt into this. I just want, and it's easy for you to think of it from the tech perspective. Some things sound easy, but they're overly complicated. And you really want to have somebody that has the wherewithal to be able to do comparisons on software and understand the difference between what they're marketing and what they actually do. There is a ton of software right now, entry-level software that has come out and they can market the dickens out of it. It's it, it looks like it is shiny and clean and icy, like you are buying the Taj Mahal. And in the back end, it's like, oh, you bought a facade. <laughs> right. You know, it looks great on video, but you know, you don't have Taj Mahal, you have a facade. And, and that's when it breaks my heart because people are just trying to do their business. They're just trying to make some money, service their clients. And, and these, the headaches start coming up because they just don't know what they don't know. It kind of parallels like when you, when you see a business, if, if it's a more tech oriented business and they have a tech product, um, you get to a point where you can't just have developers being the only folks sort of working on a product and deciding how it's going to work. You've got to bring in product people, which are people that they don't necessarily code. They're people that specialize in like, what is this supposed to do? And is this intuitive? And is this easy to use? And, you know, and it's sort of similar to that. Whereas like, that was a, that was a big light bulb moment for me building a tech company was the, was the moment that somebody was like, Hey, yes, you have developers and yes, you need more developers, but you need people. You can't have the developers make all, the decisions and I love my friends the developers I love when I have Matt Jay out here he's like the developer guru that I've done a lot of things with but if you let developers like decide what's going to be built they're always going to be building the hottest newest coolest thing that maybe doesn't work that well yet and then they're going to scrap it in two years because there's something cooler out and that's just the way that's the way the development sort of culture is it works great on hotkeys but it 
user interface sucks. Right. <laughs> right. Or it's also like super cool for very technically oriented people, mm. but maybe your product is geared at somebody that doesn't fit that description. And so you just kind of got to think about those things. Yeah. And product design, product design is where most tech fails, right? I mean, you do see tech that like the, the actual tech doesn't fail, but a lot of businesses, if they're products, people are like, eh, it's not that great. It's not really the tech. It's the product design. And the same thing happens in pretty much every business, right? You get a coach or a consultant that goes, hey, I want to offer this thing and we're going to work on this. And it's like, well, that's great. But is that what your client wants? And are you solving the problem that they think they have? And more often than not, people are trying to sell the salt, not the sugar. And it just doesn't work. It's like, oh, but we want them to get away from the sugar. I know, but that's what they want. <laughs> it's like, oh. Sometimes you get to realize when you're swimming upstream. And you got to make a decision. Like, am I going to, it's a lot easier to surf than it is to swim upstream. So, <laughs> exactly. um, so you, you've mentioned coaching a couple of times. Like what, what all do you do in your business? Obviously you've, you've talked a little bit about, do you do coaching as well? Like just general business coaching? We, we strategize with our clients if they're not working with somebody already. So a lot of the majority of our uh, clients will come to us through a referral source of even either their business coach, their marketing company, um, sometimes even their tech companies. And um, and what we'll do is look at their business and look at potentially simplifying it so that they're looking at their ideal client's ideal journey first and saying, okay, what product do you have that's most profitable for you that the most amount of people are asking for that you'd like to deliver on? It's like looking at Apple back in the day and going, okay, you got 37 products. What's the one that you're going to focus on and yeah. get everybody working on that's going to make an impact in the business. And then once we've identified that, it's what's the strategy for taking that to market? Because they could be doing splatter marketing, kind of going everywhere, but they haven't honed in on the message for it yet. So we'll come back to that ideal client's ideal journey and test the messaging on that one thing until we've got it nailed. And we know we've got it nailed because then the the sales come through and people are buying. And once that happens, then you can start to diversify and go into other platforms, other um, target markets, other everythings, right? You remember back in the first, <laughs> um, whether it was the iPad, pod or the nano or that like way back when in apple it's you could get it in black was it like this was it did we have a zune at some point <laughs> like it was like a microsoft thing in there no, you, you could get it in black or you could get it in black and then it was like oh okay well we'll make white ones too oh, okay fine <laughs> like, yeah that that was the extent of it and that's and you know forward with the car that's kind of what you want to do yeah. is you just want to hone in on that one thing and then you can turn it into the automotive industry and sell every color under the sun with every bell and whistle known to mankind but you got to do it systematically so even though you're capable of creating that just hone in on what that one thing is so that's what we will strategize with them for that and then we make sure that we have a plan to be able to build out for at kind of the year on whatever their budget is so some of them have champagne taste with a coca-cola budget and we'll look at okay so this is what we can build out in a year on a coca-cola budget with the intention of in five years you know working up to champagne or they decide no i want to you know double up and we can shrink those timelines but we want to look at how do we build something every month so that we're building in cre consistency creativity and that enticement to their audience so that 
marketing, sales, and fulfillment can all keep up with each other. I love it. That makes a ton of sense. And before I was going to say, tell them where they can find you, but we'll leave that to the end. By the way, check out this. Are you seeing this right here? I am. It looks gorgeous. It's chicken and steak. Chicken and steak. It's pretty good. Pull them off here in just a second. So, Michelle, what motivates you? Like, what, what is, this is kind of going a little broader, but like, what's your, when you got into doing this, like, what's your end game? What's your, what's your thing that gets you out of bed, the, the North Star that you're sailing towards? My big thing is helping business owners succeed. So I personally think that entrepreneurs are going to change the world. And I know that they're going to do that because you cannot be an entrepreneur without figuring out who you are and what you're made of. You can't blame the market, society, the government for any of your problems. Everything comes down to whose result is it? It's mine. Oh, okay. I I have some play in this. I have control over this. What am I going to do with it? And that mindset allows us to create anything from anywhere. And it's fantastic. It's magical. It's it's amazing when somebody has it. It, it gives you goosebumps. It raises a hair in your neck and you're like, yes, this is awesome. And hope springs eternal. If we have little pockets of entrepreneurs doing that, then they influence the people around them and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what I look forward to. I love when people have that aha moment. I love it when they go, oh my God, I can do this. I love it when people have their first $50,000 weekend or their first $50,000 webinar or their first 100000 or they make an extra million, they hit the million dollar mark. Like sparks fly and they're like, oh my God, I can do this. Like I did that. And yeah, you did. <laughs> you can do it again. And it's fantastic. That's cool. Because once you, once you see what you are capable of doing and what you're capable of creating and you realize that you've got something that nobody else has, it is awesome to watch and it's awesome to see. It's like watching fireworks all the time. It's fantastic. And who doesn't love fireworks? I think it's it's really fun when you advise somebody and they get over that hump and they and they get that euphoria feeling. That's, that is a fun thing to, to watch and it's easy to get addicted to that sort of thing too. I think I'm going to jump on one of these, uh, these steak bad boys and see. Hmm. Take a chicken one off too. Looking. Better. So let me get a little bit better camera angle there. Can you see that? Ooh, ah. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, do you ever grill out at home? By the way, you guys ever cook outside, or is it always like frozen tundra? I am a good Albertan, so uh, I am a cowgirl, and I love steak. I love it raw. <laughs> You love, blue, okay. blue rare works for me, or uh, blue rare. Or that's okay. That's Chicago extreme. black. Some people I call like it. That. What is Chicago black? Yeah. So some people call it black and blue. So it's when your heat is high enough to uh, sizzle your fat without kind of cooking the meat. So you cook it up really high, and then you flip it over ten seconds later, and it makes the fat nice and chewy, and the meat still almost raw. That's what I try to do in the gym. I sizzle the fat. Look at that. That's a <laughs> That is hey, a hey, night hey. expert. It's not. It's not blue. It's not blue, but well, it looks pretty sexy. Get on some of that garlic too. <laughs> mm, black garlic. Mm. Mm-mm. Nice. Yes, I could. I could happily live on steak, and I don't really need the parsley. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so it's been funny as we've been putting the show together. I've talked to people from all over, and people's um, people's idea of what it means to barbecue changes in different regions, mm-hmm. and so. 
in the South. So I have some guys that I work with in the UK that built some of the videos for me at the beginning. And the, uh, that, you know, I'm talking on the, on the, on the podcast, like preview, I'm talking about like slow smoke barbecue. And they use these shots of, of a burger getting flipped. And so all the people around here in Alabama was like, Hitting me up, going, "What the heck, you boy? That ain't no barbecue. That's burgers. That's grilling. It's there's grilling. <laughs> barbecue usually is like smoke, and it's slower, and it's you know, grilling is like high heat, you know, tss, tss, kind of thing. And I'm grilling a steak, Fair or I'm grilling enough. a burger, or I'm grilling some chicken wings. But like barbecue, is that like slow? You're trying to make brisket, or you're trying to make pulled pork, or it's like that slow, you know, kind of thing." See, you got you guys just treat meat in a whole different manner than the rest of the world does that nobody can compare to. So yeah, yeah, we appreciate. That's why we your, have an obesity problem. Exactly, we appreciate your your savvy skills with the with the fire. That is, I gotta say, that is not bad. Well, Michelle, nice. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, you told us you had something to tell us. Do I want to tease that out I of you? Do. I do. We have a free website audit for you. And what it is, it's about a 30 to 50 page report, depending on the size of your website, where we actually go through and we scrape your website to find out all the sorts of fun stuff about it. But it gives you the red lights, the yellow lights, and the green lights. So your red lights are where Google is stopping your traffic and it's not letting anything go through. Uh, Usually it has a lot to do with acronyms and fun stuff like that. So for that reason alone, <laughs> we put a link to a half hour appointment at the end of it. So you have an appointment with me. I will go through it in English, explain to you what's going on with it, what kind of changes you can make. You can give that report to your team or you can go and do it yourself or you can look at potentially working with us if that's fit. If it's not, that's totally cool. No strings attached. The report will also give you your yellow lights where tra uh, Google is slowing your traffic down. And it's usually uh, because of your user experience. So it might be that your page says it's about something, but then it doesn't actually talk about that thing or um, people aren't hanging around on it often enough. So you want to put more content on those pages. Or you could have green lights where, yay, you're doing it right. Google's letting the traffic in and, and life is good. Most people put up a website and they have no clue whether or not people can actually see their site, whether or not people are actually going to their site. And we want to make sure that if you're going to put that much money into an asset like that, that that you know that people are using it and you figure out how to monetize it. So we'll, in that strategy call, we'll also look at what kind of things you can do to start clarifying your message and uh, and making money off it. Well, where do they find you if they want to get into this slow smoked exclusive offer? Is awarenessstrategies.com slash website dash audit and i'm sure the links will be in the show notes at the end of that report you get a special link to connect with me so it's a 500 dollars report plus half an hour of my time and we'll strategize with you well, that's really cool well, michelle thank you so much for being with us today thank you. thank you for uh bearing with my dog and my ignorance on what black garlic is we've learned together <laughs> it's delicious i wish i could send you some up there in canada to keep you warm but um, Aww, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you like this show, make sure you rate us, you subscribe. Go look for us on TikTok. We're like 12,000 subscribers or followers. That's not subscribers on TikTok. 12,000 strong on there. We're on YouTube. Look us up on social media, and we'll see you next time on Slow Smoke Business. Mm -hmm.